Logistics is transforming our lives and the way we do business in today's ever-changing economy. If your company or community thrives on the quality of your logistics, then we'll give you a peek behind the curtains to the topics and people who are driving this exploding industry. You're listening to the Logistically Speaking GT Podcast, produced by Global Trade Magazine and sponsored by the World Economic Development Alliance. You can listen to all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com or join the thousands that have downloaded our app in the Apple iTunes Store. Now, here's our publisher and our host, Eric Kleinsorge. Eric Kleinsorge. All right, GT Podcast listeners, we are back for another exciting episode of Logistically Speaking. I'm Eric Kleinsorge. I'm your host. Now, first, I want to welcome all of our listeners, especially today, because we have a great guest and some trending topics that can truly affect the way you do business worldwide. We're going to take a deeper look, no pun intended, at doing business with ports and some of the important considerations you need to keep in mind when choosing the right port to do business with. We're even going to touch on some recent drone attacks on the Saudi Arabian oil infrastructure. That's going to be exciting. We're going to head south in the great state of Texas, Corpus Christi to be exact, and today we are honored to have the Chief Executive Officer of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. Sean has over 25 years experience in the global transportation and trade energy sectors, both public administration and in the private sector. He's held executive leadership positions in such world-class organizations as the Port of Long Beach, Ports America Group, Oxbow Energy, and Sealand Services in finance, corporate development, operations, and capital structuring. If that's not enough, Sean also serves on the board of directors of the United Corpus Christi Chamber of Commerce, the U.S. Lexington the Art Museum of South Texas, the Corpus Christi Regional Economic Development Corporation, and the U.S. DOT Marine Transportation System National Advisory Council. As you can see, we're truly honored today, and I'm excited to dive into today's topic. So without any further ado, Sean, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Eric. So, Sean... I always find it interesting to understand how and why someone ends up where they are today. Can you give us a little background on what got you involved and interested in the port business 25 years ago? That's a, that's a, a circuitous story, but uh, essentially I was exposed to a company called Sealand, which was at the time the global leader in containerized shipping. I was a newly minted accountant out of college. And at the time, I was just looking to go to whoever was going to pay the most money. And uh, so I was very fortunate to be recruited to and uh, went to work for this company, Sealand, which was the founder of containerized shipping. Uh, interestingly, I did not go to work for them as an accountant. I went to work for them in a sales capacity. And that very quickly exposed me to the logistics and surface transportation industry, and I've been in love with it ever since. That's really interesting. So, so let's talk a little bit about the port of Corpus Christi itself. Currently, it's the third largest port in the nation in revenue tonnage and the second largest port in Texas just behind Houston. 
So what do you feel attributes to its growth and success over the years? Well, the Port of Corpus Christi, like most ports in the United States, is a landlord port authority. Uh, that is, we own land, we develop land, and we lease land to our customers. And the three most important things about, about land is uh, location. Uh, our recent successes are a direct correlation to the energy renaissance, that is the increased energy production that the United States is experiencing. The United States is now the largest energy producer in the world of both natural gas and crude oil. And two of the largest energy producing fields in the country are the Eagle Ford Shale and the Permian Basins, both of which are in Texas. And it just so happens that the Port of Corpus Christi has the good fortune of being the deepest draft port to those two large energy producing fields. So while that energy production has grown and energy consumption in this country, particularly hydrocarbon consumption, has plateaued to a certain degree, that means that all of that increased production has to find its way to demand centers, most of which are overseas. We, like all other ports, are waypoints. We're not the alpha or the omega in goods movement. Goods move fluidly through the supply chain, and we're just one of many touch points. But it's important that we're not a bottleneck. And that's really what we've been working on is our coastal infrastructure. That means a deeper and wider channel. That means more docks, more storage facilities, more rail, more roads. Uh, we're building a billion-dollar uh, bridge across our main ship channel. All of that infrastructure is designed to ensure the safety, the fluidity, and ultimately the competitiveness of this gateway for goods movement to the demand centers overseas. Now, Sean... You're obviously familiar with the recent drone attacks on the Saudi Arabian oil infrastructure, and that's really affected the crude oil market. What do you see as the role of the United States in providing some reassurance to the global market moving forward? Well, interestingly, Eric, I don't believe that it affected the drone attacks and the fact that half of the Saudi production, I don't think taking half of one of the largest oil producers production offline had the same impact that it would have had 10 years ago. Today, with American energy production, we saw essentially what was a very small increase in pricing, and it didn't stay up there for very long. So we're now below uh, where we were pre-attack pricing for, uh, for West Texas Intermediate. The reason for that is because the energy markets, particularly the fact that the United States now has, has created so much more energy, I think the energy markets have become much more stable. Certainly the Middle East is a historical hotbed of unrest, and that will likely continue for the, you know, the near to medium term. Sovereignties that have a demand for energy and are looking for a safe, steady supply of energy are starting to look hard at the United States. The United States for 40 years could not export its crude oil production, but that ban was repealed in late 2015, and the Port of Corpus Christi and certainly the state of Texas has been at the apex of exporting crude oil and certainly natural gas to our allies and trading partners around the world. So we're really seeing a paradigm shift that we haven't seen in multiple generations. And we're excited to play a, whatever small role we can in that. 
So, Sean, let's really transition into what part the Port of Corpus Christi is really playing to help the United States become a net exporter of energy on the global stage and potentially decrease the country's trade deficit. Well, the Port of Corpus Christi is primarily an export-focused uh, entity, and we ship a, lot of mo- a large amount of petroleum products. And as of this past December, liquefied natural gas with Chenier's Corpus Christi liquefaction facility, Train 1, coming online. This is uh, the largest LNG export facility in Texas and the second largest in the United States. Uh, so the fact that we are the largest export port for crude oil and the second largest export port for LNG behind Chenier's Sabine Pass facility has really positioned the Port of Corpus Christi at the forefront of this energy renaissance. We see more pipelines uh, being installed from the production fields. Many of those pipelines are pointed to Corpus Christi. We've had some new pipelines come online this year. We expect more pipelines to come online next year. So we have a high degree of certainty of what to expect from a volume standpoint of both crude oil and natural gas, which really gives us that opportunity to be thoughtful as we're building more capacity and building more infrastructure to be able to meet that growing demand. So you've talked about uh, all of this influx of crude oil being carried along the pipelines from the Permian Basin to the Eagle Ford Shale. So what steps are you guys taking to ensure that you can accommodate all of this influx? Well, at the, at the, the very core of our 10-year capital investment program, which is a billion-dollar program, is the deepening and the widening of the Corpus Christi ship channel. The Corpus Christi ship channel was originally authorized by Congress in 1923, and since that time, it's been deepened and widened four times, And this will be the fifth time that we have deepened it and widened it in our 93-year history. It has been authorized by Congress. This project has been authorized by Congress, has been partially funded by the federal government that's funding American taxpayer dollars that are going to the Army Corps of Engineers, of which the Port of Corpus Christi also has a cost-share responsibility. And we've been very diligent in saving our nickels and dimes and have raised our cost share portion, 100% of our cost share portion. And so this project was kicked off earlier this year. We've got dredgers in the water right now. That will take the Corpus Christi ship channel from, from its current 47 feet mean lower low water, that's the datum point for the depth, to 54 feet MLLW. And it will take it from its narrowest point of 400 feet wide to 530 feet wide so we can have good separation of two-way traffic of some of those larger vessels. And we're also building barge shelves on either side of the ship channel because we about half of our 5,000 vessel calls a year are barges, and we want to make sure that we get good separation between vessels and barges. That project, which is roughly a half a billion dollars, is really designed to increase Number one, the safety, number two, the fluidity, and number three, the competitiveness of this gateway. But going beyond that, when you widen a highway or you build new highway infrastructure, and that's what the Corpus Christi Ship Channel is, it's a marine highway, you have to think about your off-ramps, you have to think about your your parking lots, you have to think about all of the things that go along with expanding infrastructure, and that's why 
there's a tremendous amount of additional dock capacity that's currently under construction. There's an additional storage capacity for both crude oil and natural gas. We're probably on track to be somewhere in the 60 to 65 million shell barrels of crude oil storage within the, uh, the Corpus Christi Bay. And we're building all the supporting infrastructure, because when you think about the different modalities of moving energy, it's not just by pipeline, but it's by truck, it's by rail, uh, it's certainly by water. So, you know, we're looking at all of those modalities and we're, we're fast and furiously continuing to build infrastructure to support all those modalities and all those different commodity segments. So I'm trying to think as a listener today, and I know that Port of Corpus Christi, they have such a high... A degree of concentration on just that one export. So address my concerns. What steps has the port taken to make sure its customer base is diversified enough, you know, to weather the ups and downs of the industry? Well, it's a great question, Eric. And, and while crude oil seems to be our story du jour, it's certainly our narrative doesn't stop there. We have five ingredients that are driving the success of the South Texas Coastal Bend, the economic success that we're currently experiencing. There are over $52 billion, with a B, of private industrial investments, projects that are in various stages of, of development. And the reason that companies are choosing to bring their dollars here, and, and that's not just American companies, but about 20% of that 50 plus billion dollar investment is foreign direct investment. The reasons why and the ingredients for the success and why those companies are invested here, there's really five. One is the abundance of energy that we have. If you're an energy dependent industry, we've got an abundance of natural gas for the foreseeable future that is uh, relatively cheap. We're still at sub $3 Henry Hub. Uh, we've got an abundance of, of crude oil coming from those energy producing fields. So we've got a tremendous amount of, of energy availability. Number two, we have large swaths of available land for large development here in the coastal bend. Exxon Mobil with SABIC uh, bought about 1,100 acres, and they're building the world's largest uh, steam ethane cracker uh, right here and creating 600 jobs at an average compensation of nearly $100,000 each. These are really needle-moving projects. Number three, we've got a deep draft port uh, where we can move goods through this port whether it's uh, feedstocks that are needed to continue these, uh, these types of manufacturing or the finished product that then is being sent overseas to the demand centers. Number four, Corpus Christi and the South Texas Coastal Bend is the most populated coastal city in the state of Texas. People think that Houston is a coastal city. It is not. They brought the coast to Houston by digging the Houston Ship Channel 50 miles inland. Corpus Christi is a coastal city, and as such, we've got a very robust workforce here, both tradecraft and professional. And five, which you don't hear a lot about, but it's no less important, our air quality down here is still so good, we are in what's called attainment status. And that's even with the reduced attainment threshold that was employed by the EPA under the, uh, the Obama administration, and, and uh, Gina, the, Gina McCarthy was the EPA administrator at the time. They reduced that threshold, that attainment threshold, to 70 parts per billion. We're at 59 parts per billion, and we continue to tick down. And I think that is really a result of industry here making 
commitments to the environment, and, and you will find that the energy industry is a very green industry. While there are critics about fossil fuels and hydrocarbons, there's probably more money being spent on renewables by the oil and gas industry than any other single sector. And so we're pretty pleased with all of those ingredients. That seems to be a recipe for success, which continues to then drive the need for us to build more infrastructure to support all of those private investments, those job-creating investments. So let's do talk about that for a moment. What would you say is the ideal company that would use the port services? I mean, if I'm a listener out there, I might be thinking, is my company too large, too small? Am I in the right industry sector? Sean, what type of company makes the most sense in utilizing your port? Well, we're an omniport, as most ports are. And what does that mean for your listeners? That means that while energy is front and center for our success here and certainly front and center for our customers. We've got a, a big refining center here, about a million barrels a day of refining capacity that are manufacturing transportation fuels, gasoline, diesel, jet, uh, and other derivatives. But we also are a big agriculture port as well. And while agriculture has been in the doldrums this year, primarily due to the trade sanctions uh, between the United States and China, this area of South Texas is one of the largest producers of sorghum in the country. And we've got a lot of silos that are full. We've got a lot of warehouses that are full. And we're hopeful that once the, uh, the trade uh, dispute with China gets resolved, that we'll start to see some of those ag products move as well. So as an Omniport, we're really committed to all sectors, all commodities, and all customers, large and small. So that's a perfect transition to close our show today, Sean. So I'm one of my listeners out there, and I really do want to get in touch with you and, and learn about doing business with you and maybe even setting up a location in uh, Corpus Christi. What's the best way to get in touch with you? So there are, there are two paths, uh, depending upon what the uh, investment interest is. If there is a need to reach the port directly, uh, you very simply go to www.portofcc.com, and our contact information, including mine, is on the website, as is uh, our uh, commercial team. Uh, the other is if it's a fairly large industrial project, we have the Corpus Christi Regional Economic Development Corporation, of which I am a board member, and that is run, uh, their CEO is a fellow by the name of Ian Vasey, and they can be found at www.ccredc.com, uh, and they will bring in companies and host them and bring in all the different constituents, whether it's the power provider, the port authority, the cities, the counties, they'll sit down and work with them to ensure that uh, potential investors are getting all the information they need about the area here and the virtues of the area and why they would want to bring their hard-earned dollars and uh, invest them right here in South Texas. Sean, I want to personally thank you for taking time out of your valuable day to share with us your expertise on the port business. The Port of Corpus Christi has been a great partner of ours, and we've always appreciated working with you and your team, and I do hope you'll join us again in the future. It would be my pleasure, Eric. Thank you. For all our listeners, I'm Eric Kleinsword, signing off and saying goodbye for now, till we meet again on another episode of Logistically Speaking. 
You've been listening to the Logistically Speaking GT podcast. We want to thank all of our astute readers of Global Trade Magazine and thank all of our great advertisers that help make this possible. Remember, you can subscribe and find all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com. We hope you'll return next time for another great episode of Logistically Speaking. And don't forget, globaltrademag.com's daily news and information is ranked number one by Google.